mom's, where my mom's, where my mom's at Where my mom's wearing thongs, hitting bongs at Raising kids, cleaning shits, need a long nap Where my mom's, where my mom's, where my mom's at Where my mom's at All right, first of all, come see me do a stand-up comedy. That's where I get to get away from my children and stay in a hotel for a few days to sleep. September 5th, Milwaukee. September 6th, Chicago. Uh, September 7th, Boston, Massachusetts. October 3rd through 5th, Nashville, Tennessee. November 22nd, Seattle. And then the 23rd of November in Portland, Oregon. All ticket links are at Christina P. Online. And I think I added a show in Spermvine. I'm sorry, Irvine, California. And that will uh, be shown up shortly. Also, uh, the website is available where my mom's at.com if you want to see that. Um, also, Native, let's let's go ahead and plug the phone number where people can call me and leave in uh, voicemails. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Why don't we do that? If you want to email me a story, email me at where my mom's at at gmail.com. I love to hear all things mom. Tell me your deepest anxieties, your greatest mom fails, your greatest mom triumphs. Um, you know, questions you might have for me, not like a, any great fountain of wisdom because I'm learning and I, I don't have many mom friends. So you guys are my mom friends. Um, and what's the number? Okay, well, let's go to my, where my mom's at. Oh. This episode of Where My Mom's At is brought to you in part by Michelin. Moms and dads, we've all been there. You're driving down the road. Your kids are napping in the back seat. You're thinking about what to make for dinner when suddenly another car swerves in front of you. You slam on your brakes and for a split second, you're terrified if you'll stop in time. You want tires that perform well with every stop, and that's where Michelin comes in. Because stopping safely consistently matters. The average family will stop, and often emergency stop, some 20,000 times per year. Michelin, unlike other brands, builds their tires to perform every time, across every diaper run, every pickup, drop-off, and road trip. When worn Michelin Premier all-season tires come to a complete stop, some other worn tires are still traveling over 15 miles per hour. Michelin is the world's leading tire manufacturer. They are dedicated to enabling mobility and safety for all parents driving around with their loved ones in the back seat. Michelin has a rich 125-year global history and an unwavering dedication to provide products and services that make driving around with your families safer, more efficient, and eco-friendly. So next time when you're looking for new tires for the family car, consider Michelin Premier all-season tires. Michelin, performance every time. So the other night, two nights ago, my little baby, again, he was up all night with a cold and a, and a horrible, horrendous cough. And he's got all these lung issues. And now he has a, a nebulizer and he has, um, uh, you know, steroids and all this crap. And they're like, oh, he's got asthma. Anyways, husband and I were up all night long. And um, it was like the old days of having a newborn to the point where he and I would like take turns being like, I can't, I can't do it anymore. I'm handing the baby off to each other. And, um, and I realize I talk a lot about the, the hard stuff about being a mom. And that's what this show is about is, is being real. Cause I think that the Kool-Aid, the party line on motherhood is that it is the best job in the world. It's the most fulfilling thing a woman can do. And once you become a mom, it just sucks the person out of you, you were before. And now all things are mom and that's it like a zombie, you know? Um, and I, 
I, it is the best. I do love being a mom. I just want to preface that, but uh, <clears throat> but it's it's uh, it's it's complicated and there's ambivalence. So the phone number is two one three three seven five five one eight four. Go ahead and leave me a voicemail again two one three three seven five five one eight four. Leave a voicemail in your name and where you're calling from. I just like to know where people are calling from. <laughs> Any hoodles? I wanted to start this episode because, um, like I said, we talk about all the struggles and the hardships and staying up with your baby all night long. And now I have the cough my kid has, et cetera, et cetera. But I wanted to talk about the good stuff. Um, why do people have kids? And why did I go back for seconds? Because clearly it's not that horrible if I, I have two sons and I freaking love it and I love them. And um, so here, so here's this email I got. This, this guy wrote to me, my name is Devin. I'm a 23 year old male not a dad but i'm definitely a mommy i don't want children but finding a girl my age who agrees is a hard thing to do so help me out and tell me all of the best parts of being a parent the kind of stuff that makes all the gross and embarrassing stuff seem less bad keep my hands tight okay so let's start out with the obvious before i had kids i was convinced that the only reason people have children is because of their own vain narcissistic need to have copies of themselves and I have to tell you, that's 100% true. And I love it. Nothing makes me happier when one of the children looks more like me than Tom. Or when <laughs> it's true. And that's truly a great joy of parenting is to see a little copy of you doing something. At least for me, I do enjoy it when he's a little antisocial, Ellis. Um, his first sentence to my husband was, I'd like to play alone, please. And I was like, yes, you're, you're definitely, you're mine, you know? Um, and Julian too, he's, he's so happy and just so beautiful. And, and I, I, it's true. It's narcissistic. Um, and then, you know, there's a societal expectations of why we should have children, right? Cause if you don't, then something's clearly wrong with you. You should want uh, to de devote your life to raising your offspring. And that's just stupid. But, um, uh, but it is nice when you do have them because then people do respect you. It's kind of like when you get married as a woman anyways. I don't know in the man men's world, but once you get married um, and you've got the ring, people do treat you differently. And that's super messed up, but it's true. And when you become a mom, it's like you're just you're like lady royalty now and it's um it's fantastic there's parking spaces for you when you're pregnant at some stores which is a neat perk um there's pregnancy discounts or at least i would force a discount on people uh when i buy stuff but i'm pregnant just give me 10 percent off and they sometimes did oh uh, uh but let me tell you the truth so here's the real real it is being a mom seriously is the most fulfilling thing I've ever done in my life. And that's like a, a like seriously, like, yeah, I've, I've been a stand up comic and yeah, I tell fart jokes and that's pretty fulfilling. But to really, um, it's so it is, it, it adds like a, a sense of gravity to your life. Like if I died tomorrow, that would be really bad for my kids because then they'd be raised by my husband and like some Dalmatian 20 year old um, yoga instructor. So it gives your life extra meaning. You, you start to exercise more and you're like, oh, I better stick around for 20 years. So at least 18 more years. Um, and like the best part too is it's, it's intrinsically a good thing to be into your children and like, you know, to raise them. Cause it's not having kids, it's not measured by external things like, like wealth 
or status, you know, like that stuff, that stuff comes and goes. Um, but, uh, that's always there, your children, which is great. Um, oh, I like saying, oh, 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 the best part I like actually is, uh, getting to rebuy all the toys my crappy parents never bought for me. You know, like getting to buy like an easy bake oven, even though I have two boys, I don't gender them, but I, I never got to have those or like shrinky dinks. And like, I buy all that stuff now and my kids do not give a rip, but it's for me and it's exciting. And, um, and that's all, all fun. Um, you get to heal and that, and then this is like a real thing. Like you, you do get to heal your own childhood wounds by becoming a parent. Cause it all just comes flooding back, man. You know, you, you don't think about stuff forever until you see a kid uh, you know, like if your three-year-old says something to you or behaves in a way that like throws you into a rage and you're like, whoa, what, what is that? It's not him, it's you. And then you go back and you're like, oh yeah, that's at that time my, my parents did this and that or the other. Um, so it kind of forces you to look at your own personality and, um, um, and I get to say neat things to them. Uh, I love, I love disciplining them. It's fun. You know, like when your kids are bad, you get to come up with like creative uh, ways to threaten their lives and stuff. Like my mom used to yell at me in Hungarian and um, she would always be like, like, I'm going to hit your head so hard. Your head's going to fall off. And I don't say that shit now to my kids, but I, I love being like, what's going, there's monkey business happening in the next room. There's monkey business and that's fun and it's silly and it just adds a level of fun and silliness to your life that I feel like you don't, you don't get. I like playing with my kids. I think because I, I grew up so fast. I grew up at like four. And so I love um, being childish with them and their faces, man. There's nothing like your little kid's face when they smile at you and they put their little arms around you. And it really is um, the best thing in the world. And honestly, like I'm I'm 43. So if I didn't have children, I'm like, what what am I going to do with all this free time? <laughs> like I'm I've had brunch. I've seen all the movies. I've done drugs. I've like, I, I don't want to hang out with friends anymore. I don't want to travel. I've been places. Places suck. So now I'm like, I just want to stay home with my kids. Um, yeah. Oh, and then teaching them fun things. Uh, like we taught our toddler to say, I have to take a dump when he has to poo. And you know, it's fun. Like little, little stuff. And I tell you, as much as I don't want to stay up all night with my kids, there is nothing like hearing hearing your little kiddo scream mommy mommy i you know help mommy i need you it's cute you know you you just like the minute they say mommy it's over and they're just the best things in the world so there you go there's positive aspects to having children i don't want this show to be all about like man changing dirty diaper sucks like no kidding um but i do want to demystify the whole thing that motherhood is somehow the, the end all be all to your existence and that um, somehow you get this amnesia memory erase and you're no longer the person you were, uh, which is just not the, I don't know, at least for me, I'm still who I was, except now I have two other people to care for and there's you know layers of responsibility and crap. Uh, but later on, we're gonna speak to um, a, a woman named Deanna who I actually met at one of my shows before she got pregnant like a year ago and she and I kept in touch on the gram <laughs> and we're going to call her later and we're going to talk about identity and losing your sense of self once you have kiddos because um, it's really easy, man. I remember after I had Ellis, I was like, I listened to Howard Stern incessantly in the car and I remember saying to my therapist, like, 
uh, am I allowed to like Howard Stern after being a mom? Like, am I allowed to to laugh at the horrible things I have for the last, you know, my whole life? Am I allowed to be juvenile now that I'm a role model for somebody? And the answer is yes. <laughs> you just, uh, you know, you shut it off and you become a different person, a little bit different. Obviously at home, I don't talk about drinking pee and like <laughs> with my kids. Not yet. That comes when they're a teenager and they have the internet now. So they get exposed so fast to things. So, um, Let's start with uh, mom fails. Those are like my all-time faves. Now it's time for a round of mom, mom fails. fails. I love this one. This one made me LOL. Um, this is a man who writes in. This is Chris. So I was standing in line at the grocery store the other day. I'm a father of a t of 10 and 5-year-old boys. The 10-year-old grabs a toy the 5-year-old had to take into the store. I watch him do this. The five-year-old instantly starts to whine. I look down. Come on, dude, don't make him whine. Ten-year-old, I didn't take anything. Me at full volume dad voice. I saw you, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yep, next snap, people are disgusted. I'm not happy about it, but I look around and just say, yeah, I keep it real. And I don't know if that's something that every parent has but it seems to me dads have two voices, speaking dad tone and dad speaking tone. And sometimes that dad tone just pops out 100%, dude. I haven't called them motherfuckers yet, but definitely. You end up calling, I call my kids dude all the time and bro. I'm like, dude, bro, don't do that, bro. It's so great. That's so funny. Okay, here's another mom fail. I like this one. Um... Not my proudest mommy moment. In fact, one of the ones I felt worse about. My son, who is now four years old, was about six months old and had a diaper rash and was crying over it. He was my first kid, so I panicked and quickly went through our bottom drawer where he kept such, where we kept such ointments. I put a hefty amount of cream on him and then he started screaming his butt off. Turned out I had just put a hefty amount of Bengay on his diaper rash, not butt paste. Yikes. Needless to say, we don't even keep Bengay in the house anymore. Luckily, he was so young, he does remember it. Thank God for them being so young, they don't remember it. Because that's, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I gave my, um, my toddler real toothpaste the other day, not realizing that their taste buds are probably so much more sensitive. And he was like, ah, it burns, it burns. I'm like, ah, oh, dude, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah. They're resilient. Thank God for that. And thank God they still love us despite that. <laughs> That's so funny. I wonder if people hear me talking to my kids. I, I don't call them mother effers, but I definitely talk to them the way um, I do. <laughs> I don't think other moms do. <laughs> Sometimes my kids are like, well, Ellis can talk, and he's always like, stop it, be normal. I'm like, oh, no. I'm going to hear that a lot. <laughs> I can do the floss. I floss, you know. I learned that dance from Fortnite, and I was doing it in the kitchen yesterday, and Ellis liked it for about two seconds, and he was like, no dancing, no dancing. I'm like, yeah, I know. I feel that. All right. Okay, let's do another mom fail. This one's um, this one's um, a kind of serious, but I like it. It says, mom fail. My worst, um, my worst mom moment was when I got an abortion. Love you, jeans. Wow. That's deep, bro, for sure. Um, not a mom fail. I wouldn't categorize it as that. I would say that it's probably the most responsible thing you can do if you're not ready to have a child. My gosh, I wish more people 
uh, did that if they didn't want to have a baby, right? <sighs> All right, let's do a voicemail. These are so much fun. Uh, let's do the first voicemail, Nadav. Yeah, this one is from Lacey. <laughs> yes, wanted to let you know with my ex when he was watching the kids. Um, I come back and he puts them in the baby jail. And apparently that is the pack and play. And if you put a couple of them together and tape them together, it could be like the size of a room. And he just laid on the couch. And then a mommy failed for me leaving him with him. Another one is my daughter likes to take off as of last summer when we're sleeping in a new neighborhood. That was not good. Once again, I'm lazy. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye, Christina P. Oh, my God. I did not know you could tape the two pack and plays together. Now, let me think it through, because a pack and play is a, a crib that you can take with you. You can tape them together. I'm assuming you have to cut out, right, one area, like, because they're two cribs. They're two mesh cribs. Yeah, let's look this up, because I am I like her thinking. Right, but see, they're four-sided mesh so maybe you could zip is there like a tent you know you can zip one side down maybe maybe you put it on the side and then oh baby jail that's what it is and then just tape it all (laughs) so that there's just no opening (laughs) that's so funny that's so um 1950s like they used to like throw just put the kid in the the uh the pack and play type of thing and walk away they used to leave babies in whatchamacallit strollers in the 1950s and just keep them outside all day like newborns because the thought was they needed a lot of fresh air so that they would be extra tired and then they would sleep better which is i mean and they would do it like in the snow too like in cold weather which is amazing yeah all right this uh this next voicemail is from michael michael what's up my jeans uh this is michael and uh, I got a little fail for you. Um, I call my wife retarded sometimes. And so my son did a little mess up, and I called him retarded. And now when he introduces himself, he says, hi, I'm retarded. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a fail for you. Keep in mind, type. First of all, we do not condone the R word. Um, in studio jeans we prefer tiktok that's what we say around here um that's crazy that's so you gotta be so careful man they pick up on everything so fast (laughs) how do you fix that my name's timmy and i'm retarded you have to um not react like because ellis said the f f word a few times we were just like nope don't do as as awesome as it is when your little kid says it in like a shrimp voice you have to be like, no, because then they don't they don't know it's bad. That's the whole secret is they don't know. Um, once they find out it's awesome to say it, then you're really screwed. I used to say fuck all the time in school, though. I used to yell it out when I would lose at bingo. And I used to get wiffle paddle. Did you guys get corporal punishment growing up at school? Yeah, I went to a Lutheran school and they would wiffle paddle me or um, put Listerine on a cotton ball. And put Let's make you do, suck on it, suck on it, yeah. Isn't that this crazy? Is in L.A., dude, in the valley. What? Yeah, bro. Not well. In the eighties. Didn't have that in any schools that I went to. Where? But you grew up in L.A. I grew up here too. Yeah. I mean, I went to a Jewish school. Maybe that's um, why. The Jews don't beat their kids, do nah. they? Yeah, no, it's Christians beat their kids. Yeah, we, we just use uh, shame and disappointment to <laughs> get kids to do what they want. 
<laughs> what did you hear? What did your mom tell you? Uh, to like do th to get her to get me to do things. Yeah. How did she shame you? Um, you know, just like basic disappointment. Like, <laughs> man, I have no other kids like you. Like she, would, <laughs> like she would say stuff where it's just like, oh, you're like you're different and more difficult than the other ones. That's how. Because oh. I'm the youngest of four of four kids. So I'm yeah. like, what? I'm not normal like my other siblings. And then I just quickly. I mean, start behaving for like a day and then I'd go back. Wow. That's got to be pretty scarring, though, to have your mom be like, you're the you're the the best up one. Well, I mean, at least she kept it consistent up until <laughs> college. So it's like it was never <laughs> it was kind of I, I kind of liked it towards the end of it. Like, yeah, I'm the different one. Oh, because like, now I'm look the, at I'm you. I'm the one keeping you on your toes. Yeah. Right? But uh, how are your other siblings? Are they as cool as you? Probably not. I mean, no, but they're like super uh, good, normal people. Oh. <laughs> so maybe your mom was right. <laughs> I guess you are kind of a black sheep. That's yeah, terrible. I mean, they don't laugh at any of the things I laugh at. Oh, that's, yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. That's um, so funny. Yeah, we got, uh, we got some more voicemails here. I love that. We got, we got two more voicemails for you. My name's Ricky. This happened back when I was like in the first or second grade, my mom shows me and my brother the movie It and Stephen <laughs> King. And then the next weekend after that, and that was like a whole week of us, you know, having nightmares of this clown, she takes us to the damn circus. And I'm sitting there with my mom at the circus and a clown is, you know, trying to do magic tricks and I'm terrified of this dude. He reaches in to kiss my mother and I hit this clown. <laughs> yeah, you know, I thought he was trying to bite my mom's face like in the movie. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> you cannot show small children horror films, dudes. Right? This is horrible. <laughs> but in the 80s, we like I remember my parents did not filter what I watched at all. Like ever. I watched Poltergeist when I was a kid too. Um, did you guys watch Poltergeist? Um, Were you old? I remember when I was a kid, we wanted to watch Titanic, and, oh, so, and so my mom made us watch Poseidon Adventures. First. Okay, that's like super. Li okay, okay, it's not even. It's not a scary movie, Titanic. No, I, Poseidon Adventures was that. Uh, that gave us fucking nightmares. Oh, I never saw that one. It's oh yeah, so boring. It, no, it, it's <laughs> Poseidon Adventures. Isn't it boring? I thought it was. It's they, an old school movie yeah. where people just slowly drown to death. Oh, I don't like that. Yeah, it's, it was terrible. Terrifying. Yeah, I saw that in like second grade. Maybe that's just an image thing where they don't shield you from anything like because my mother and my father are like this is good you learn about real life real life is hard i'm like cool all right like i used to watch the elephant man when i was five years old that movie was terrifying right I, the I guy didn't see that what was that oh about? my god the elephant man it was a guy who was my name is john medic it was a guy with a, these horrible deformities like remember rocky dennis from mask it was like similar to what Rocky Dennis looked like, but it was a black and white movie and he wore a burlap sack. Dude, that, it's based on this dude. Um, there he is. That's the elephant man. Oh my. And I would watch this at like five years old in front of my dad. and He didn't think to turn it off or change the channel to cartoons. Yeah, it was, it was terrifying. And he found, uh, you know, he's trying to find human love. Oh my God, it was the worst. And Poltergeist. I was so afraid of uh, clowns, too, from Poltergeist. Um, Jaws. Remember that? 80s kids watching Jaws and then not wanting to swim in a pool because of that shit for a year. It was terrible. Don't show your kids scary movies. Of course, now there's, like, warnings on everything. 
like we were watching Stranger Things last night on uh, Netflix, and there's a warning for the strobe lighting that may hurt people with photosensitivity. Like, are you kidding me? Are you? There's enough people with this issue that you need to put a disclaimer on those with. Eventually, it's going to be an entire list, a laundry list of nonsensical phobias and problems like this could be triggering for people with nosebleed issues and issues with monsters and like oh god right that's going to be the next level of nonsensory strobe lighting isn't that true though in japan there was some japanese cartoon that gave kids strokes or something yeah i think there was some show that came out that like was it pokemon I <laughs> gave kids seizures and stuff. Uh, it gave like a lot of kids seizures. <laughs> and so I think ever since then, like it started becoming to be a thing. But I mean, like seizures are a real thing. I think seizure warnings are okay. Are they? I, I, if something could give someone seizures, Man. maybe a little heads up is nice. I mean, I, I'll you know. tell you what, though, like growing up in the in the hard knocks 80s, like no one gave a fuck about anybody's safety or or. I'm serious. Like this whole nonsense of we have to, uh, you know, put pads on everybody's life and it's it's like just take some responsibility, bro. I, I mean, you know, in Hungary, there's a roller coaster that doesn't even stop to let you on. <laughs> like that's the kind of stuff I grew up going to. Like let's go to the the park. It was called Vidam Park, and you go and the the roller coaster slows down just enough so that the person can jump out and you jump in, and there's not even like a a seat belt or none of this horse shit, right? Not a strap. No, there was like a thin, rusty metal bar that didn't even go down to your lap. It was like in front of you. And they're like, well, you better hold on, asshole, if you want to ride. There was no lines for bumper cars. We talk lines. You just, everybody huddles around in a circle and then the, the ride stops and then you, you bum rush. Everybody runs and throws a person out of the seat. Like <laughs> savagery. That's how I was raised. Like, I, I w this fucking generation is doomed. 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 You know what I ordered online? I ordered a Sesame Street activity book from the 70s, 1976, bro. This is the year I was born, 76. They have the best activities. Activities where kids use scissors. Oh, fuck, yeah, ooh, scissors. And uh, there was one activity. It was like, find a bleach bottle, empty out, take the bleach out. Didn't even say like, wash it out. It was like, just take that bleach bottle, get some scissors, cut it in half. <laughs> Make a bird feeder. Like, what? That's what I'm talking about, people. That's Gen X, bro. Now, the problem with our generation, us Gen Xers, is that, yeah, that was way too dangerous, but now we're raising snowflakes, right? Everybody, we overcorrected. That's why everybody's, uh, all these kids are goddamn weenies. But I don't know. Actually, the millennials I hang out with are pretty cool. But uh, we, we don't have to shelter everybody from everything. Really, the, the warning about the seizures. Eh, you can't watch Stranger Things. They have seizures. Fuck off. And don't watch the show. Bunch of crybabies, as far as I'm concerned. We didn't care, cater to everybody's feelings, is what I'm saying. We just didn't. And I understand in this era of inclusiveness, it's a wonderful idea. And this is what post-modernity 
wanted. And I, hey man, I studied this stuff in college in the 90s. The postmodern movement was that there was a bunch of little narratives. There's not one meta narrative. There's not one white male patriarchal thing. I get it. There's lots of voices in the world. But guess what? A lot of those voices are really a small percentage of the fucking population. You know what I mean? 0.000001% of the people watching are having seizures. So I'm, I'm cool if we don't have to be inclusive on every GD thing. Okay, moving along. Let's do the dad win. Oh, is this a voicemail? Yeah, this is the one the the guy uh, submitted it as a as a fail, but you're saying that it's an actual win. Yeah, right? guys, a lot of these it's so funny because I think culturally, if you're not doing it perfectly, it's called a fail, which is why I love these because this is actually just called the reality of parenting. And this is called survival, bitch, because none of us know what we're doing and we're all just surviving. So this is great. Let's play this when I like it. Hey, mommies. This is uh, Anel Maneri from uh, Atlanta, Georgia. And I got a, I got a mom, a dad fail for you guys, you know, mom, dad. So I was watching the kids. I have, I have three boys. Uh, it's six, four, and two. And uh, this was like, a, this was last year. This, the four-year-old was uh, getting uh, body trained. Uh, he comes, we're at the park. He comes to me and... He's like, Daddy, I have to go potty right now. And he's freaking out. There's no bathroom close enough. And I'm like, there's nobody here. It's us. You know, go go in that bush right there and go pee. <laughs> so he goes. And then I watch him go. He's in the bush. I watch the other kids. They're fine. I turn around. And he's squatting, taking a shit behind the bush. And I, I can't, like, I don't want to panic. I didn't panic. So, you know, because if you panic, yeah. you know, they, they, they're going to think, oh, you know, I can't poop anymore. It's all going to go backwards or whatever. So I let him finish, and I just leave the shit there. I don't pick it up. He's not a dog. So whatever. We just move on, and we go home after that. Anyways, thanks. Thank you for my call. Love you guys. Bye-bye. <laughs> Could you imagine being the person that stumbles upon that? And those poops are like, whoa. I don't know what's up with these coyotes in this park, but <laughs> this is crazy. Oh, my God. He's got a good point, though. It's not quite a dog, right? And I'm sure he didn't carry bags with him. Like, maybe you should now. I mean, what, <laughs> carry what poop would bags. you do if you, saw, him... if you saw Alice doing that in the park? Well, he's right. You can't be like, don't poop, buddy, because now you're, you're toilet training, so you want to constantly reinforce. Like, you want to be doing cartwheels when your kid poops not in their diaper. Like, we're getting... we're try I'm glad you said your boy is four, because... Our boy is three and a half and we're, we're in the starting the process. And I'll be like, do you want to go poop, buddy? He'll like, you know, he'll be ready to do it. He's like, do you want to go poop? He goes, no, I want to do it in the diaper. I want you to clean it up. I'm like, okay. Like he literally says, I want you to clean it up. I'm like, yeah, I don't blame you. I would too, because it's awesome. Your life is awesome right now. And I, I literally do say that to him. I'm like, I get it. It's pretty awesome. Um, so what do you do? Yeah, you, you let the, I, what I, I mean, I don't know what I would do is I'd be like, great job, buddy. I'm real proud of you. You took a dump, uh, but next time let's try to let's try to hold it for the toilet, or you know, let's time let's let's try to do it in a toilet, maybe. You know, you kind of suggest the toilet idea, because truth be told, they kind of poo where they want to uh, a lot. It's like you're lucky if it gets in the toilet. Um, you know, hey, I wouldn't clean it up either. Sometimes I don't pick up dog poop. I'm one of those people. <laughs> I fake it. Sometimes I fake pick up dog poop. <laughs> 
<laughs> you ever you ever but because only but only when my like i like i walk the dog and then i don't have the bag i forget it and then the neighbor comes out and i've literally i've done it where i've pretended to pick up the dog too i like pantomime it you know i'm like what anyway okay um that was awesome that was so much fun what do we have more fails that i want to read let me see hold on I wanna, I don't want to read any more poop stuff. You guys have submitted so many poop stories because that is the majority of parenting is a lot of poop stuff. Um, I don't want to do, that's gross. No, I don't know. Ew, this one's so gross. So many vibrator stories. <laughs> Y'all nasty grown-ups need to lock up your vibrators. Get your mom in your dad drawer. Lock up your sex toys. Lock up your weed. Lock it up because... Okay, this is great. My son was over a little over a year and he put my recently used vibrator in his mouth. I want to scrub it from my brain and hate myself for leaving it on the floor post coitus. It was covered in stuff. He would die if he ever found out, and I am a bit dead from having been so careless. I am disgusting. Yes, you are, bitch. You nasty as hell. You are so nasty, first of all. Who uses the... And then you're like, we're done. You know what I mean? You don't just leave stuff on the floor. Because my that's my biggest fear is like, I'm done. And then it's the cleaning lady. It's your kid. Your dog is licking it or whatever. Like, oh, oof. oh so your kid, wait, your kid licked it? Is that what a vibrator in his... <coughs> Thank God they're natural, natural juices. You know what I mean? Like, it's organic. I know so many of your moms are into the organic. <laughs> so disgusting all right let's take a break here and thank our sponsors at michelin fellow parents this has happened to all of us at some point you're driving in the car and the kids are arguing in the back seat you turn around for a split second to break it up when you look back at the road and suddenly there's a car inches away from your front bumper you slam on the brakes hoping to stop in time you want tires that perform well with every stop and that's where michelin comes in because stopping safely consistently matters did you know the average family will stop an often emergency stop some twenty thousand times per year michelin unlike other brands builds their tires to perform every time across every diaper run pickup drop off and road trip when worn michelin premier all season tires come to a complete stop some other worn tires are still traveling over 15 miles per hour michelin is the world's leading tire manufacturer they are dedicated to enabling mobility and safety for all parents driving around with their loved ones in the back seat michelin has a rich 125 year global history and an unwavering dedication to provide products and services that make driving around with your family safe more efficient and eco-friendly so next time when you're looking for new tires for the family car consider michelin premier all-season tires michelin performance every time great thank you michelin where my mom's at is also brought to you in part by audible audible members did you know that if you're an audible member now you get more than ever before members choose from three titles every month that's one audiobook 
plus two Audible originals that you can't hear anywhere else. Members get unlimited access to more than 100 audio-guided fitness and meditation programs. Oh, I'm a huge fan of those meditation programs. I absolutely love those. Audible delivers bestsellers, business, self-improvement, memoirs, and more, all professionally narrated by actors, authors, and motivational superstars like Rachel Hollis, David Goggins, and Mel Robbins. I just downloaded David, uh, David Goggins' audiobook, and I absolutely love it. Um, I listened to it when I was on a train, actually, in New York, and I, I just, I love it. It passes the time, and why not learn something valuable and listen to the people you enjoy? Audible members can also get free access to the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and Washington Post delivered daily to the Audible app. With a convenient app, members can access Audible anytime at the gym, while commuting, and on the go on any device. It will also pick up right where they left off. Audible also offers free and easy audiobook exchanges, credits you can roll over for a year, and a library you keep forever, even if you cancel. I'm a huge fan of Audible. I always believe in making my time valuable when I'm in my car, when I'm sitting on a train, when I'm traveling. I travel a lot. Um, and those long cross-country flights are made so much better because um, I download audiobooks. I love it. I love it. So start listening with a 30-day Audible trial and your first audiobook plus two Audible originals are free. So visit audible.com slash WMMA or text WMMA to 500-500. Again, visit audible.com slash WMMA or text WMMA to 500-500. Thank you, Audible. Where My Mom's At is brought to you in part by The Real Real. You can own iconic luxury items at unreal values with The Real Real, the leading reseller of authenticated luxury from top designers. You can shop from designers like Louis Vuitton, Gucci, Rolex, Cartier, and hundreds more at up to 90% off retail. New arrivals come in daily, and every single item is authenticated by the Real Real's team of experts. In fact, the Real Real employs over 100 brand authenticators, gemologists, horologists, and art curators from around the globe who inspect thousands of items each day to ensure that every item is 100% authentic. Shop and consign women's and men's luxury fashion as well as fine jewelry, watches, art, and home goods. You can shop online or visit one of their original stores in Soho or West Hollywood or their newest location at 870 Madison Avenue in New York. You may also visit one of their luxury consignment offices in Chicago, Dallas, Miami, San Francisco, and Washington, D.C. In-store new customers receive an automatic $25 off at checkout. I love the real real. I'm a huge fan of online shopping. And also, why pay full price for um, for the brands that you love? There's no reason to spend a fortune on Louis Vuitton and on uh, I love Gucci. Gucci's my jam. <laughs> and I love the real real because I can find all the bags that I like for a much more reasonable price. And it's eco-friendly. Why not uh, reuse, recycle? fashion you know what i'm saying it's fantastic so shop in store online or download the app and get 20 percent off select items with the promo code real that's the real real.com promo code real for 20 percent off select items this episode is also brought to you in part by pact you know when your kids put you in the hot seat peppering you with questions 
What are cars made of? What is the sky made of? What are my clothes made of? Pact, an eco-friendly clothing company, wants to make sure you at least have a good answer to the last one. No gross stuff, just 100% organic cotton. I'm telling you, I've been waiting for a company like this to come along because I want my kids to wear 100% organic cotton clothes just because it feels so much better on your skin and you know when you got little, little, littles, you want them to be uh, comfortable. Pact makes super soft organic cotton clothing for kids ages newborn to 12. They do all the worrying from farm to closet so you don't have to. They grow 100% organic cotton with no synthetic fertilizers or chemicals. They invest in the people who make the clothes, starting with the farmers. So care is imbued in their product the moment it's plucked from the earth till it hits your kid's skin. You know what they don't do? Mark their products up just because they are organic. Everything is fairly priced. For example, t-shirts are just $6. Can you believe that? Why? Because fairness seems like a good quality to model. I love this company. Pact wants kids to love their stuff too. So all of their clothes are crazy soft and tagless with fun colors that allow kids to mix and match to make parent approved outfits. P.S. Pact also makes clothes in adult sizes too. You know what else I love about Pact is that it's just clean, simple, easy. Um, you know, no wacky logos or silly sayings that maybe you don't want on your little, on your small children. So shop head to toe goodness for the whole family at wearpact.com. Use code where my mom's at to get 20% off your first purchase. That's W E A R P A C T dot com and the code where my mom's at thank you packed all right now back to the show where are we oh let's do um oh i want to do these what would yeah 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 let's do uh there's so many great okay so let's let's get a little cereal here i want to get a little not just you know have a real hold on hold on where is that um no 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 sorry here we go anyway i think the which one is it the, the one that you're looking at it might be on the side on which side mom like to the left of you oh no that's a mom fail like i think it's just by itself oh for fuck's sake anyway the question is this woman had i will just i will just let you know the person asked maybe it's on the other side of the laptop it looks like there's some pages over oh there. it's okay oh, oh oh is this it no I'll tell you what the person asked me. Basically, they asked if I was having, um, after I had, if I had postpartum depression, and basically, what does that look like? And the answer is yes, a thousand times yes. And I want to do an entire episode on postpartum depression because I don't, I'm not sure that the literature and that the way it's portrayed um, in the culture, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you in a minute exactly what it is. Um, the way that postpartum depression is portrayed and explained in the culture is not, at least for me, when I was endlessly Googling in the middle of the night, like, do I have this? It just didn't seem like it fit me. So postpartum depression, I think could be in the, the year or two, even after you have a child, there's a, a physiological thing that happens. You, your hormones are all wackadooed out when you're pregnant and then you give birth and literally everything inside of you <laughs> comes rushing out and your hormone levels go bonkers, bananas, everything is crazy, crazy, right? So you have that physiological response. And if it's your first child, there comes the panic of not knowing often what to do, 
And so there's, it's called, uh, my shrink calls it maternal anxiety, heightened maternal anxiety. So there's this thing called maternal preoccupation, which is how babies stay alive, right? You, you care about your baby. You think about them a lot. You want to ensure the survival of this little creature. But then when maternal preoccupation goes wonky and into anxiety, which is where I was at, it is a life ruiner. So what happened was, at least with me, I'll tell you how I felt. I was uh, depressed, A, but that's kind of normal because I think that was always my baseline in life. I think I've always had like a little low, low grade depression. But, um, and not to say that you, you, and that's another thing. So the baby comes out and everybody around you is thrilled, right? They're like, oh my God, this is a miracle. Yeah, that's a miracle, a miracle. And you're like, yeah, it's a, it is. Yes, I love my baby more than life itself. This is a miracle. This is crazy. Um, but at the same time, I am crippled by anxiety. And I would have a lot of irrational thoughts like, what if I drop the baby? Um, and you become preoccupied. At least I did. I was looping on, what if I drop the baby? What if the baby gets sick? Oh my gosh. Like the first few times my children have been sick, it would throw me into like, full panic attack, PTSD, like, I don't know what that, and a lot of that stems from my own um, childhood stuff, because my mom, when I would get sick, would overreact, right, so that was my template for, for motherhood, was my mom, um, so, so a lot of preoccupation, a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, um, mostly anxiety, and like, it, it can last, like I said, anywhere for like a year or two, up until after you have the baby, um, and it sucks because, like I said, the culture tells you this should be like the happiest time in your life. And the doctors would ask me questions like, do you feel sad? And you're like, well, I mean, I kind of always do. And I'm, I guess I'm tired because you're tired on top of it because you're not really sleeping a lot after you have your baby. Um, so you just assume it's part of that, you know, chaos of having a newborn. Um, but it is, it, the shit is real, man. And I just remember my anxiety was just it was constant. Like I would wake up. Oh, I, I do what's known as hypervigilance. That's what I had. Like I would, I couldn't sleep. I'd wake up every few hours preoccupied with as a baby, with a baby, as a baby. And then I'd wake up at like five in the morning, every morning. And I would run through the day and I would go, okay, I got to make the baby's food. And then I got to uh, feed the dog. And then I got to feed the toddler. And then I got to let the dog out. And then I would like try to preemptively do things. So I would run that. I would run tragedies in my head. If my baby had the sniffles it's pneumonia the kid is dying he's on a respirator ventilator whatever like everything was really 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 heightened for me so um if you feel like this sounds familiar to you and you just had a kid or maybe you had a kid even a year ago yes it's real it's not your imagination and a lot of moms in their first year get depressed just because you haven't slept in two years like really slept because when you're pregnant you're not sleeping so it's nine months of not sleeping then you have the baby you're really not sleeping for like a year and a half, two, until that kid's really a toddler and sleeping through the night well, well, well. Um, so yeah, and a lot of moms I know just get depressed. Like, uh, I mean, wh who wouldn't be kind of bummed out after taking care of an infant for months and months and months? That's why I'm telling you, my kid's first birthday is next week. Let me tell you what I'm doing. Uh, we're gonna have a bar catering. <laughs> I'm <laughs> like balloons i'm gonna have a fucking fire truck because i'm celebrating that i am out of the woods we no longer have an infant we have a toddler and to me it's like we made it and you got you just got to make it to that first year and i guarantee it's going to get a lot better um 
so yeah it's normal and i so my friend got on lexapro that's how i found out that you can just take drugs um not just i shouldn't say it like that but that i was going to my therapist and my therapist was like you should come in twice a week and i was like yep how about five times a week can i call you i'm like every day because i'm fucking losing my mind and then um and then what happened was the anxiety was just getting so much that i wasn't enjoying anything anymore i wasn't sleeping like I would come and do your mom's house and I would still, like that was the only time I felt remotely normal, but I couldn't concentrate on anything. Like I would read things five times and I couldn't concentrate. Um, so I went to see a psychiatrist. So that's what you have to see to get put on any kind of medicine or whatever. A psychiatrist can prescribe something for you. And that's just like, just will lift whatever it is you're going through, man. Like for me, it was the anxiety and the depression. So she put me on a drug that just lifted that meow just a little so that i wasn't so in panic and ptsd and panic all day every day and the adrenaline and that's another thing your your body is washed with adrenaline when you're in anxiety which is not good for decision making which is not good for like parenting because now you're always in like fight or flight that's horrible so the medicine will will just lift an ssri whatever just a little bit and then now i went to see my shrink and because i was calm we could really get to the heart of darkness of what was really bothering me um, cause yeah, a lot of times those responses you're having, I spoke with somebody yesterday who during birth, um, relived her sexual trauma, meaning like when she was in the delivery room and there were all these hands, um, on her lady bits, it triggered her childhood or whatever sexual traumas. And so that threw her into postpartum depression. And a lot of times we don't know why or what's going on. So please go to a therapist Go get real help. Have your therapist refer you to a psychiatrist if you need it, if you're looping and you can't even deal, which is how bad I was. It was just nutty. And it sucks because I was hoping the second baby would be easier. It was actually worse. The first time with Ellis, I um, I just assumed that was how it went. Like you have a baby and now you're just crazy all the time and ah, I can't sleep. That's fine. Um, so then the second one, because I had been in therapy a bit longer, I was like, oh, this is, yeah, this is not normal. I should probably get help. Because um, a lot of people with PTSD don't get help. That's kind of the the horribleness of it. Um, to people who have been, you know, traumatized from childhood stuff. Like a lot of us don't get help. You don't ask for help. You just power through it. You white knuckle through your life. And that is so bad for you and for your children and for your marriage and because you know what guess what if you're a woman listening or a man listening and you have ptsd or you have trauma or whatever your spouse suffers too because they don't know what to do they don't know what to do they just know that their poor you know loved one is screwed up so there you go i'm gonna do i want to do a whole episode on postpartum depression because i think it's so important because i remember oprah did something on the 90s in the 90s with like brooke shields came on and that was like, women were like, their heads were exploding in the audience. Like, Rockshale's had postpartum depression. A supermodel has depression. It was so fucking great. Okay, um, I'm gonna do a phone call. I'm gonna call up next is, oh, but here, let me read this email, which segme, so is gonna segue into it. This is from Viviana. What a beautiful name. She goes, aside from- You got oh, mom questions. CP's got mom answers. What would Christina P do? I talk over my cool stingers. So this lady writes, um, a, a Viviana, not this lady. Aside from work, quote, passion, how have you not lost touch of who you are as a person? Love you. I love you, Deanna. Yeah, huge, huge, huge question. And I'm going to call Deanna and we're going to talk about this because she and I were DMing on the gram 
about this very phenomenon. So let's see if she's available. Watch this cool technology here. Is this working, mommy? Oh. She's hoping her baby cooperates during this call. We all know that. Hello. Oh, mommy Deanna. Hi. Hi, Jeans. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm so glad to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. Dude, I've been following you and your whole story <laughs> on the gram where we DM. And you, I know. What happened? So, years. You, you were in L.A. and then you got knocked up. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's exactly how it happened. Yeah. And then you moved home, I'm assuming. Well, I moved home and then I got knocked up. Okay. Great. So now you're home. Do you have, uh, and you have a baby. How old is your boo-boo? She'll be eight months this weekend. Oh. It's flying by. It is flying by, right? And how's it going for you so far? It's good. It's, I think I just recently found my rhythm. Yeah. And it took, you know, that long. Yeah, like what, like your rhythm meaning like a baby schedule or just how to adapt to being a mom? Oh, God, there's no schedule. Um, <laughs> definitely, <laughs> my child is a wild child. Like, I knew pretty much from when I was pregnant that she was going to be a handful. I could just tell. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah. I think mostly just adapting to be a mom. Yeah. Being a mom. Um, I'm a stay-at-home mom. And I actually, I don't live in a state with any family. So, oh. yeah. We moved out of state and left all of our family with oh. no intention of having a baby. And then two weeks after we moved to Atlanta, we found out that I was pregnant. Oh. So we were like, all right, well, we're here now and we're doing this. So we've just been kind of winging it and making it work. So there has been like a, def a learning curve, to say the least. And I am like the village. You know, like everyone's oh. like, oh, well, it takes a village to raise a baby. Well, I am the village. Like my husband goes to work for 10 to 12 hours a day. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean. But so that's what I'm saying. Like we're just starting to get our groove. And I think as soon as you get your groove, they go through some new development change yeah. and then you lose your hands. A hundred percent. And it'll come in disciplining too. Like you'll figure out how to uh, finagle, how to convince your toddler to do something. And then they'll be like, fuck you, that's dumb. And then they'll, you know, they'll <laughs> figure you out and you'll figure them out. So how are you? So the, yeah. So I, because you're, you're just so in it right now, could you describe to the listeners what having a baby for the first time is like? And not just the physical labor. I mean, emotionally, what is it like? The first word or phrase that comes to mind truly is like, it's a clusterfuck. <laughs> it's, um, it's so much. And I guess, so I was listening to your episode yesterday and I laughed because I already knew I was going to talk to you. And I heard you guys say this yesterday and I was like, all right, I got to preface. I love my daughter more than anything. Of course. So going into this, I love her, but like some days I want to put her outside and then go back inside and close the door and just leave <laughs> her there. Of course. Some days you want to throw that baby in the river and then you're like, and then they smile at you, right? Or they laugh and they but, giggle or they, they call you mommy and then you're like, this is great. Let's do this again. I Let's haven't have some mommy yet, but I'm done for it. But yeah, it's a lot. I mean, it thrusts you into a different phase yeah. of yourself. Even if you're not ready, you have to all of a sudden be ready. 
And you're young. No, I wasn't. Yeah, no. I'm, I, I consider myself a young mom. I'm not a teen mom or anything, but I'm still in my 20s. Right. Which is, you I'm know, 28. That, you're 28. Okay, so you're, yeah, you're just on the cusp of like, at least when I was a 28-year-old, of really coming into into being an adult. That's still a formative time, you know? Yeah, I mean, I grew up fast. So I, I didn't have like a normal growing up. But yeah. I think I'm still a young mom. Like when I, I live in like the suburbs of Atlanta. So when I'm out and about doing mom things, I don't really identify with like suburbia mom because most of them are like mid-30s and I'm over here like a teeny bopper. Yeah, you're, my stroller around. you're a legit cool mom. You're like the kind of mom <laughs> I'm trying to be. Hello. No, um, but so, so, so that's what we were kind of talking about. You and I is like, I think there sometimes can be a societal expectation or a cultural expectation or a neighborhood expectation of what a mom is supposed to be like, act like, look like, sound like. And it sounds like you're kind of, is that what you're struggling with right now? Yeah. And I think a lot of it might really have to do with where I live. Um, so culturally I live in a very suburb part of Atlanta. So, you know, if I lived somewhere else with maybe a younger culture who were moms, it might be totally different and I can't speak on behalf of that. But for where I currently live, being a young mom, um, it's, I, I mean, I would dare to say it's been an identity crisis. Yeah. And you got to move back to Alabama. Aren't there like 15-year-old moms? Isn't that where teen mom no. is centered? <laughs> No, I would never want to go back. To, no, no. I'm, I'm just kidding. I will never go back to Alabama. I made that mistake one time, and I'm not doing it. <laughs> so you think it's cultural, but I think I think you're right too. Like, could be it could be your neighborhood, but I think too. At least, like you you just said that you grew up um, pretty fast. Like, what was your childhood like? What was your mom like? Um, pretty similar to your story. I think that's why I've connected with you so much. Yeah. So those of you know, my mother um, so. was a borderline. She had borderline personality disorder, which yeah. makes them very split, black and white thinking. You're, you're the best, you're the worst, um, stuff yeah. like that. So she was abusive and, and mean and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. I think. And yeah. I grew I, so you see my story and I'm not, I'm pretty transparent about it. I grew up in a just a way that I hope my daughter never does. I started doing drugs when I was really, really, really young and I struggled really, really hard as an adolescent and as a young teen. I actually never wanted to be a mom for this mm-hmm. reason, that I just like didn't want to continue on passing this down to anyone else. Oh, 100%. That was my fear um, for so many. That's why I put it off for so long because I'm like, I'm going to mess them up. They're going to be crazy. It's going to be horrible, blah, blah, blah. But I think yeah. that puts pressure on people like you and like people that come from families that weren't ideal. Then you start going like, well, what is it to be a good mom? You know, do I have to be perfect? Do I have to be June Cleaver? Do I have to like bake cupcakes and do all the activities I'm supposed to do? Do I have to dress a certain way? Um, do you have like role models that you can look to like good mom role models? You know, I actually was just talking to my husband about that last night and I was getting a little like emotional teary eyed because I, I think I realized yesterday, no, I yeah. don't. Um, and being a mom now, it makes it hard to have find the time. But so I have a degree in psychology and like those textbooks, those are my role models. 
Oh, so wow. the things that I've learned, like that is how I've learned how to be a parent. Which um, is probably the is... best. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. Um, I think I've done a pretty great job, especially as being like a young mom on my own, raising a child um, without having help or role models. I think I'm doing okay. She's alive still. Yep. Did it, girl. So, Especially alone. Oh, my God. But, you know, I, obviously, like, I have my husband, but um, it's a lot. Yeah, of course, if he's working 10 to 12 hours a day, you know, yeah. he's not up with the baby okay. all night if the baby's sick. You are, you know, you're, and it's always mom. Like, let's be honest. It's mom who does the breastfeeding. It's mom who's responsible for keeping everybody alive and going at the end of the fucking oh, Yeah, day. and the paradox is that they come out and they look exactly like your husband. And it's like, okay. <laughs> it's the worst, isn't it? He doesn't look anything like that. Uh. Like, if it wasn't fact that I was there I wouldn't even believe that she was mine um, so I did all the work I carried her I labored her I feed her I still breastfeed and I'm like but you look just like him oh. I don't get and then she just started saying dada oh. so. <laughs> to add insult to injury I know I was just saying earlier you didn't I was talking earlier on this episode saying how the best part about having children is when they look like you it's so narcissistic because you're like that's this is awesome. Like this kid looks, and you hold it over your husband's head. So, but you never know. That kid could turn around and look just like you in a year, which is what happened with I our babies. Not. Yeah, just a little glimmer of that. Like, oh, this is all for something. Yeah, dude, it is. It is for something. Don't worry. So, are you talking about a sense of um, losing touch of who you are, right? Of like, yeah, who you were before kids and who you are after, and you're not the same person. Like you're, it's like becoming no, a vampire. I think it's yeah. actually like impossible to be the same person. Yeah. No, I agree. To an not. extent. Yeah. No, it literally is like it's like becoming a vampire, and now you have to like. <laughs> I don't want to use that analogy because that implies that you're dead inside, but that you, um, <laughs> you know what I mean. But now you're you're a part of this other world kind of thing. You know. It's yeah. I think it's a rebirth. Process. Yeah. Yes. So you kind of do die inside a little bit. Right. Some parts of myself will always be gone, um, but not all of them. Right. I think parts of myself that needed to be gone are now gone for me personally. Like what? Um, immaturities. Um, I changed my lifestyle around really quickly because I found out I was pregnant in a time that I wasn't trying to be pregnant. I wasn't trying to grow up. I was trying to be, I was 27 when I got pregnant, so I was trying to be 27. Right. Um, and to find out you're pregnant when you're not trying to be pregnant, you don't really have, I mean, I guess you have a choice to not <laughs> change your lifestyle, but I, that wasn't how I did it. Like I had to clean my life up. I had to stop partying and um, be a little more responsible and kind of put someone before myself. And yeah. that has made a huge impact. But that's also, that kind of, you know, has a part of what I had said about the identity crisis. Because that's, that's not the stuff that I'm sad about losing or that I'm even struggling with. Like, I'm happy to let that stuff go. I was kind of clinging on to an immature party lifestyle because I had nothing else to live for. And now I do. So I don't really miss that stuff. Right. Um, but I think more so what you had told me talk about was, that for me, when I was 27, which is still very young in the mom world, um, I found out I was pregnant and I remember thinking or saying, actually, I'm going to have to get rid of all my clothes. I'm going to have to get new clothes. Like, I can't wear any of these clothes when I'm a mom. 
I know. I know. Well, that's why I joke about being a cool mom. Like, clearly I'm not. But the it is this weird identity shift where you're like, I, because once, especially when you have multiple, like now I'm in two kids. Like, bro, I'm a mom through and through. Like, I'm not cool anymore. Like, there's nothing I can do um, that's going to be remotely cool. Like, before, you right. know what I mean? I think I still identify with my cool self. And the other day, I have an almost eight-month-old. And the other day, I said I was a mom. And I was like, I'm a mom. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. But, like, I feel like, uh, and here's the flip side. The good side of that is embracing your 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 rad momness like i'm gonna that's where i'm at now yeah now i don't give a fuck yeah yes that's what i'm talking (laughs) about not giving an f and being like you know what dude i'm gonna rock that fanny pack i'm gonna put some sparkle on this shit like i'm gonna buy flashy shoes i'm gonna put bedazzling on my fanny pack i'm gonna like i'm gonna wear pink now dude i don't give a rip (laughs) Right. There are days that I still leave the house looking completely like unkept. I, I look homeless some days. Of course. But then there's other days that I leave the house and I go grocery shopping in a crop top because I'm like, because why not? Like, Hell yeah. I don't want to die inside anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also part of it, I think, might be the expectation of what a good mom is. Like maybe you and I have this um, idealized version because we had shitty moms right, or just mentally ill moms moms who couldn't hold it together i think for me anyways i go well good moms don't wear crop tops or good moms don't you yeah. know wear good flashy. moms are like betty crocker yeah they're like at home baking everybody something and like yeah. driving you to soccer practice with all your friends and i'll never be i mean i don't know i don't know but i don't think i'm gonna be that mom because that's just not me Right. And I don't right. think I have to jeopardize or, you know, sacrifice all these parts of myself in order to be a mom. But I did think I did have to. So, yeah, me too. You know, I said, I was like, oh, God, I got to shop a gap now and cut all my yes. hair off. I have really, really long hair. <laughs> I know. And, <laughs> I know. Um, it's like I actually told my husband, I was like, I'm going to have to cut it all off. It's, it's, it's time. I'm Your hair? You got to get, get the mom hair cut. You yeah. got to do the, the my shoulders. Yeah, which I will say it would, I think, be easier. It is easier. It would, dude. She I hasn't. You know, she stopped throwing up in my hair every day. But at one point, I was like, I can't do this anymore. Well, I tell you, I would still have long hair, but my hair got so dry and brittle after my second kid. Like, oh, they suck all the nutrients out oh, of yeah. your babies. There's that level of you know uncontrollable hormonal things yeah. that happen. Yeah, yeah, dude. It's like. It's like, you know what, it's all, it's all chaos, at least in the beginning. And I hear it gets, it does settle at least, you know, Ellis is almost four, right? He's three and a half and it does settle down. But in the beginning, just survive, I feel like, and do what makes you happy and like F all the haters, you know, if there are, but maybe the haters are in our head. Maybe the hater is us, you know? I don't think so. I think there's definitely like, I think they call them mom bullies. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Those moms that are just lurking and like waiting to see you slip up and then call you a bad mom. Tell me. Do so you, I'm you... not sure there's people who see me and think like, well, she should be more attentive to her mom or to her child. <gasps> um, 
instead of doing the things that she's doing. Like, I, I don't think you're allowed to have hobbies. No, no, or interests no, no. or any. I don't even think you're allowed to have a relationship with your spouse, in, according <laughs> to like the mom bullies. I think you're and right. I think I actually like let that expectation control a lot of parts of myself. I mean, newborn life is just truly miserable. I don't yeah. ever want to do it again, even though I plan to. Um, it's so hard. So I'm not in newborn life anymore, and I would never have hobbies or interests if I was like with my newborn because you just can't barely even have time to go to the bathroom yeah no but now i'm coming out of the i think yesterday you guys called it the dark forest yeah um or i was listening to it yesterday yeah. so now it's like i get to date my spouse again Ooh. and i get to like be myself again well dude and she's gonna be okay if you want to really get your mom life back, and I'm not going to fucking tell anybody what to do, but it helped me. Get that baby on a schedule, bro. Get that baby on a schedule. There's a book. She's pretty good. She's pretty good. She's um, good? All right. Then, does she nap regularly? You got that sweet nap time still? Yeah. Oh. Napping regularly. I get a lot of free time oh. to do my own thing. Oh, I'm finally get it. painting again and reading books again. Oh. My house is clean for the most part again, um, but it took, you know, that long and the greater portion of a year yes. to get to that point. And I did not feel like myself when I was pregnant because how can you, I, I was not one of those people that loved being pregnant. Oh, I did not one second of being pregnant. You mean you, you mean you didn't have baby bliss? Like when the Kardashians no. get pregnant and then no. they're on the cover of people magazine, just smiling ear to ear. Like this is, a I think I was beautiful. like morbidly depressed. Yeah. <laughs> so Were you really? The opposite. Oh God. Yeah. I hated being pregnant. There was no like, Oh, this is a miracle. No, it was, torture for me we kept were you sick a lot no i really i wasn't sick at all um i just didn't love the idea of being pregnant and this is also going back into like i didn't want to be a mom i wasn't right. ready to be a mom of course i thought the pregnancy was always really weird like to grow a life inside of you is pretty weird it's bananas um and then i really didn't want to breastfeed i was like oh uh, i know so weird to me and I didn't want to give birth like not all of this stuff was just so not my scene not my speed and now looking back I'm like oh, you're such a baby you, <laughs> your body is designed to do these things I was just being selfish I didn't want to share my body with anyone else but rightfully so because it sucks yeah well I think that's I mean that's one reason I wanted to do this podcast is to explore the ambivalence um, with pregnancy and motherhood. And I think the party line, the cultural line is that once you, you know, pregnancy is bliss, you should enjoy every minute of it because there are women out there who can't get pregnant and God damn it, you better enjoy it. And giving birth is natural and everybody's great at it. And it's a wonderful miracle and you should enjoy that. And then you should enjoy your baby because it's baby fantastic. Breastfeeding's a breeze. I think there is this, um, just a lot of, uncomfortability with ambivalence, meaning having two conflicting feelings at the same time. I learned that in therapy, that you can feel like you love your child, but at the same time you're terrified or maybe you don't enjoy all parts of it all the time. Cause I don't think women are taught that. Like we're not, it's not, at least it was not explained to me 
Um, I just saw like Claire Huxtable, just like, <laughs> you know, like it's great. Everything's great. Or, you know, even Roseanne, I think was so revolutionary because she was the first mom to, on television um, to imply that maybe her children annoyed her every now and then. And that was in the 90s, you know? So. Right. I think that causes other moms like us to have mom guilt, for lack yes. of a better word. Yes. Um, so you see these other moms who love being pregnant and it's like, well, why didn't I love being pregnant? I guess. I'm the the weirdo who didn't love being pregnant. I'm not going to vocalize it. But I think for the vast majority, we don't love being pregnant. <laughs> A lot of people it's, don't. Or whatever. We don't love breastfeeding. Or, you know, not everyone has like an easy peasy time and all of these things, but it's the ones who speak up and had a one hour labor and breastfed with, you know, ease that make the rest of us too afraid to be like, well, um, that's not how it went for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And, and, and like you said, there's a lot of mom shamers out there who, um, I remember I posted a picture of me just being tired on the couch and being like, I cannot wait until my husband comes home. I'm alone with the children. And there are these women out there who are like, well, then you shouldn't have kids. You know, like, yeah. if you're tired or you don't like, it's like, wait, are you, you mean to tell me that you love every minute of everything you do all the right. time? Right, like you don't get tired of yeah. your kids ever because I can't wait for nap time. Oh, it's the best, isn't it? <laughs> it's like oh. a few hours that I don't have to listen to Elmo's world or screeching right. or right. having someone squall at me or breastfeed. Right. Um, I, I 100%. I'm like, but how many hours did your baby nap? You're so lucky. Um, Lately, it's been great, but I'm going to drink myself and then tomorrow she's not going to take a nap. Fuck. Wait until they drop but, their naps. Oh, man. I, I don't have a child who sleeps through the night. So. Oh, okay. So she she kills it during the day, which is good. Yeah. But I think almost that, like, I would prefer that. Yeah. Because during the day, I've got a lot of things I need to get done with only two hands. Right. So oh, girl. please sleep during the day. Like, I'll survive the night. Are you cleaning your own house? Everything? You're doing everything? Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. girl. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna send you a surprise or something. I need to help you. <laughs> I'm gonna help you out. I'm, I'm gonna hook you up with something, man. I'm fucking helping you. It's like eight months jungle gym. It's just like baby services everywhere. Well, I'll tell you what, though. I'll tell you what. Because you've been doing everything and you've been running around, I will say you lost all your baby weight and you look fucking amazing. So, congrats. <laughs> That is the trade-off, I will say. You look amazing. I work to the area that because I, you know, I don't want to be stuck in like the saggy, soggy no. mom. I don't either. And can I tell you something? And I know it's so un PC. Um, you're supposed to like don't fat shame people, and you should accept and love yourself. Like yes. Yeah, I love and accept the fact that I'm 15 pounds overweight right now, but I'm not going to keep it that way. I'm working my butt off trying to get to a decent weight because I don't like how it feels being fat, and I'm goddamn fat right now. I don't like it. You know what I mean? And it's good that's, to not that's like why I being fat. Yeah, and girl. I think I realized that politically correctness is also mommy correctness. So um, I think I'm terming that because I like that. You should love your mommy body because it gave life, but I don't. I can love the fact that I gave life and not love what it did to my body. Mm, 
Preach, goddamn. Oprah never said that shit on her show. That is right. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Yeah, you can love what you did. It doesn't mean that you love your hangy, sogging mom tits, you know? I got big Definitely old... not. No. Yeah. Breastfeeding was not kind to your tits, ever. No, I, I got mean... fucking gorilla tits. Here's what I do. I was going to give you... <laughs> I was just thinking... So, you know how, like... Okay, for instance, at my school, sometimes they they mom they mom shame and invert inadvertently like well is ellis gonna come to the the summer festival this wednesday at 9 p.m because he practiced the song i'm like no he's asleep at 7 30 first of all or whatever like inane thing well you know um are you gonna make crafts for all the kids for valentine's day like i remember it was valentine's day they're giving them out to all the, and a lot of parents are hand making them i go really because i'm gonna go to rite aid and i'm gonna buy him a box of uh, Valentine's that we used to have in the 80s and he's going to hand those out. Like I told the teacher explicitly, like I'm not that mom, bro. Like I don't have that kind of time, but what I will do, like you want me to uh, donate to something? Here's $20. You want me to, you know, come and, and I don't know, chaperone a party? Yeah, dude, but I'm not going to like craft. I'm not, that's not the kind of mom I am. So go fuck yourself basically. And now they know. <laughs> I don't say that. Like, you know, I'm not going to fucking bring cupcakes for the whole class. I'm not going to bake cookies. for. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But I'll, you know, I'll give you $20 for your fucking craft table or whatever. <laughs> Sorry. I coughed into your mic. Anyways. Anyways. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're bouncing back. You're almost at a year. The year mark is when everything gets a lot easier, at least for me. It's my, you know, you got a toddler. She, I kind of I don't know I'm scared in hearing other moms who have like toddler age like potty training age talking age I don't know if it gets easier I think it gets harder yeah I don't to me the newborn era is the hardest personally personally it was the most emotionally horrible so everything else has been gravy and I like them when they talk I like talking to them and hearing their thoughts and I, I i enjoy i enjoy it when my toddler freaks out i'm like yeah put a fucking brick in it bro like i like his fire yeah like yeah to, i can't you know? i haven't been there yet i don't miss newborn i definitely don't but there are days where you know when she was a newborn she would just sleep on my chest for hours oh. and i would be stuck to the couch watching netflix all day and i used to be just enraged that yes. I had to sit here and watch Netflix all day and now I'm like please yeah. <laughs> I can watch Netflix I know I know but here's the neat part eventually you can just put the TV on and watch a movie and then they'll chill yeah I don't think eight months is that same no by a year they'll want to watch <laughs> cartoons and then when they get so, sick they'll want to lay on you again and that's cute too yeah, I like the cuddles. I just I'm not looking forward to the independence. I think Aww. because then I have to really watch her all the time. Oh yeah, and then they start they start walking. The theme of motherhood is that you really never like get the hang of it. Like I'll, I'll be winging it forever um, <laughs> because as soon as you get the hang of it, something changes. Yeah, that's true. But so I'm pref- sure that's probably the same with yourself. Like as soon yeah. as you figure yourself out, something is going to change. Yeah. So you're going to have to figure it all out again. Yeah, hundred percent. And I honestly, I prefer the intellectual challenge of parenting to the physical part, because the first couple okay. of years, it's the physical, like it's just the grind of like keeping this being alive and well. And then when they get older, they get clever. And now you're 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 kind of working on the mental part, and that part I enjoy a lot more personally. But I don't know. Yeah, 
I don't I fucking. Think I'll like, I think I'll like that part. I, I will miss the baby. I love the baby smell and oh. the, the squishiness and the cuddles oh. and the, the gummy smile. I'm losing the gummy oh, smile. I love the gummy smile. Now, so the gummy smile oh. like it's a fleeting moment for me, and I, I will miss that. Like I. I sniff her like she's a drug like i'm huffing glue all day like, i'm just sniffing her oh they don't have breath like they don't have bad <laughs> smells babies <laughs> i love their breath it's like little sweet milk breath oh it's the cutest juju's got these chunky chunky legs and feet i have to buy special shoes because his feet are too fat to fit into regular you know kid size shoes He's so fat. He's got like cookie dough feet. It's the fucking best. You've seen my daughter. She's, yeah. she's on the larger scale. Oh, they're the best. Fat babies are the best. No, they really are. All right. Well, I'm I'm glad you're uh, you're out of the woods and um, celebrate that, dude. Be proud of your momness. Oh, I am. I don't think it's anything to be ashamed of. And if, if anyone is ashamed of it, it's just perpetuating the issue that we're talking about here. And so I hope that your podcast achieves that, if nothing else, to like get the message out to other moms. It's like, it's okay to feel these ways. Yeah, I hope so. Because I knew I felt really alone when Ellis was born and I had these feelings and thoughts. And I looked all over for a podcast where women would just be honest about it. And I, I didn't find oh, it. Nothing. Yeah. You know, I felt, and that made me feel even worse. And I'm like, oh, I must be this horrible person because I have these conflicted feelings about something so sacred and like, it's ridiculous, no. man. But we can love our I kids. I think a lot of people feel this way. I hope. I think so. They're just so. afraid to talk about it. Yeah. Well, hopefully, we'll we'll get into it. We'll get deep on all that stuff and and help people. Yep. Okay. Well, I, I love you. I think you're fantastic. I'm gonna send you some kind oh, of a I surprise. Love you. you know, I do. Yeah, you're the best. And I'm happy to hear you're in Atlanta. Sorry, I, I didn't realize you'd moved. So good for you. Oh, yeah. I got the hell out of Alabama. Thank God. And the guy is good? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good. I locked him down. Hey, girl. God. <laughs> All right. We'll Thank have... you so much for having me. Are you kidding me? This is, like, amazing to talk to you. I'm, I'm like, I'm honored you're even wanting to be on my show. And um, um, I love you. Of course. You. I've been there from the start. I mean, hey. I'm... I'm sad to say that that zebra was gone, but I get it. <laughs> I know. You know what happened? Honestly, I that show kind of ran its course for me, and I and I got to be like brutally honest. I was getting emails that I was not qualified to answer. Um, yeah. About I people's sure. yeah, and I was like, you know what? Let's give Dr. Drew a show, um, who <laughs> is highly qualified. So actually, guys, if you have questions that are kind of that's deep bro adjacent. Um, email Dr. Drew because there's a guy who knows about trauma and who knows about therapy and addiction and everything. Yeah, it's Dr. Drew after dark at gmail.com. That's D R D R E W A F T E R D A R K at gmail.com. And tell him, like, dude, I used to listen to that deeper. I have this question. I think he um, he's way more qualified than a, a dopey comedian. <laughs> talk about anybody's problems <laughs> all right Deanna thank you so much go back to your little baby have your dinner I'm it's probably dinner time for you it is it is thanks Christina all right, love you, mommy. I love you too mommy take care bye how special was that I feel like I've known her since she was a little baby that girl all right should we close on something fun oh I'll close the laptop my Nadav told me that let's do one is there a fun mom fail? Have we forgotten somebody um, or anything? Oh, we, we have one more fun segment for you. Oh. 
I'm definitely doing this wrong, right? <laughs> So okay. we, have, we have two voicemails for you. And this could be the fun stuff to end on. Okay, let's end on something positive. Hey, Mommy. Trevor here. I'm actually trying to get my wife pregnant so that she can become a mom. And I'm just wondering, what is the best sexual position for us to be in so that I could blow my hot load and, and get her <laughs> pregnant? Uh, thank you so much. Why do I love the voicemails from the men so much? You guys were fucking savage, bro. This is the only savage mom show out there. It's so funny. Dude, no women are going to listen to this podcast. You know that. This is going to be like the mom show for dudes because everybody's like, oh, blow my hot load. Every woman right now is like, click, turn that off. This is my problem in life. I'm a dirt bag. I'm a, I'm a dirt and I like dirt bag stuff. So it's never going to be an audience for me. Okay. Um, okay. All right. Physicians. Hey, man, as far as I know, um, you want to get deep penetration so you can blow your hot load as far up the uh, uh, vaginal canal as possible. Um, from what I understand, doggy position is shallow penetration. I think good old fashioned missionary. Yeah, let's Google it. That might be a question for um, Dr. Drew to answer. But let's see, 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 see. I think it's good old fashioned missionary because you're just your your parts fit together nicely and you can deliver that load now more importantly than positioning okay here we go here's some pictures of stick figures effing Ugh, this is so gross nobody wants to see pregnant people having sex um i, I tried <laughs> ugh, yeah at least i want to see me i'm picturing tom and i effing that's why i'm looking at that like uh we're so fat um I think, okay, so here's the deal, man. More important than position is timing. Timing, as Steve Martin would say. Timing. God, this high, you're so bad. We'll fix this next time. Um, is, is the timing. So there's only four days, a four-day window a woman can get pregnant. That's the truth of it. So you got to have her test her ovulation. Get those, those ovulation kits. You get these stupid sticks from Rite Aid, and she pees on them, Okay. And then if the stick tells you go F, that's when you go F. It tells you when you're fertile. Because otherwise, you're busting nuts for nothing. So you make sure that those nuts you're busting are uh, beneficial nuts. Now also, little trade secret, this is how I got preggers with Ellis. You want to be uh, busting nuts about a day or two before she ovulates. Okay, you hear me? one or two days bang every day in that window one or two days before why because the sperm is already up there in the fallopian tube so that when the egg is released from the ovary bam there he is he's right there man because the day if you wait too long so now the has the egg has to travel from the ovary down the fallopian tube um and then into the uterus now the egg the egg gets fertilized in the fallopian tube that's how it usually works right so you make sure that there's sperm there already buh, 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 buh. embryo and plants in your uterus bob is your uncle so there you go also get drunk enough man you know I, that's what i've heard the most when when you're relaxed when a woman is relaxed nature uh can do its thing if you're all stressed out tense i gotta get pregnant this month it's never gonna happen the minute you forget about it is when you're gonna get pregnant that's how i got with ellis tom and i went up to Ojai, we banged a bunch. No, this is before. Sorry, I didn't even realize I was pregnant. And um, we just banged a bunch in uh, where was it? 
some terrible place. Virginia Beach. Sorry, Virginia Beach. The Marriott, I think. Um, okay. We have one more? Yep. One more from Ellen. Degenerous? Um, this isn't... I'm not a mom. Um, my name is Ellen, but this is me ratting my mom out, throwing her under the bus. She let me walk around for three days one time with a broken wrist. Oh, um, I was playing soccer and I broke it. And after three days of my wrist flapping around in the wind, <laughs> she took me to the doctor and they pretty much called her a shitty mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I love her. She's cool. And then also my brother wow. used to like to push me down the stairs when I was a kid and she saw him do it one time and she laughed really hard because she said it was like I was doing cartwheels down the stairs. I promise she's a good mom. It's just, oh, it's just she had a couple fails here and there. I love her. She's cool. Yeah. yeah. She sounds cool. Your mom sounds awesome. This is the craziest thing. Okay, you know when Dr. Drew... Yeah, it's a fucking cool mom. Um, you know when Dr. Drew... I don't know if you ever watched... <clears throat> The, the celebrity addiction show that he did in every single time he interviewed people he'd be like did you have any childhood trauma and then the celebrity who um had a severe heroin addiction and was in a porn addiction and a gambling addiction the celebrity always go no no um, childhood was great um well did your parents ever hit you well yeah there was this one time my mom uh beat me with a belt actually there was 10 or twenty thousand times my mother would beat me with a belt and you're like, you find out that people had these horrendous childhoods that you don't really, you're not, you're not aware because it's normal to you because you probably haven't been um, to see a shrink to fucking, to, to go over it. My favorite quote is you're like, uh, my brother would push me down the stairs and then she would laugh, but I love her. She's a good mom. <laughs> No. Cool moms. I'm not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. It's not a cool mom. It's so not a cool mom. Your mom sounds like a piece of shit. I'm sorry to tell you this, but you had a shitty, shitty mom, and you need to go to therapy to straighten that out, bro. Like, if you break your wrist, you got to go to the hospital. Now, there are some times I've heard stories where pe kids break ribs, and, like, sometimes the parents don't know that it's broken, but it sounds like your mother knew and was like, nah, that's expensive. Hospitals are expensive, or whatever her logic was. So... Yeah, your mom sucked. You need to um, go help yourself. Um, she's, it's so funny how we defend our horrible parents. I defended my horrible parents for so many years, and then I'm like, no. Uh, they did teach me a lot of cool stuff, but I'll get into that on another episode. Um, so thank you, everybody, for downloading this episode of Where My Mom's At. Go ahead and leave me a voicemail at 213-375-5184. See me do stand-up. If you haven't already, check out my two Netflix specials, Mother Inferior and The Degenerates. I was eight months pregnant when I did The Degenerates, so check out how fat and sweaty I was there. And uh, ticket links at Christina P. Online. Also, that's this place. We have a website here. where It's wheremymomsat.com. Thank you, and I will see you next week. Bye. Thank I got huge tits. She's got big old hangers.